This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 125 The Yowie The Australian outback was a place of stark beauty, where the land's vastness could swallow a man's spirit. Miles of dense scrub and towering eucalyptus trees encased the rugged terrain, their rustling leaves whispering secrets of ancient times. Only the brave dared venture into its heart, where the creatures of the wild roamed freely, unbound by human laws. Beneath the blanket of a moonless night, the crackling campfire cast flickering shadows on the gnarled tree trunks. Brent, a seasoned outdoorsman with a taste for adventure, sat perched on a weathered log, nursing a lukewarm can of beer. The wilderness had always called to him, its untamed allure a siren song that pulled at the edges of his soul. Tonight, however, the symphony of the bush was quite different. A sense of unease lingered in the air, prickling the back of his neck, like the unseen gaze of a predator. So, you reckon there's anything out here we need to worry about? His mate Mick asked, his voice tinged with a hint of skepticism. Nah, just a few dingoes, maybe a snake or two, Brent replied, feigning nonchalance as he tossed a twig into the fire. But his mind wasn't at ease. He couldn't shake the feeling that something or someone was watching from the impenetrable darkness beyond the campfire's reach. Their conversation was interrupted by the distant howl of a dingo, its mournful cry reverberating through the night. Mick shrugged, unbothered, but Brent's senses were on high alert. He couldn't dismiss the gnawing suspicion that there was more lurking beyond the shadows, something ancient and primal, waiting for its moment to strike. As the hours slipped by, the fire dwindled to embers, and the bushes' chorus swelled into a symphony of eerie sounds. A rustle here, a snap there, the unmistakable sense that they were not alone. Brent's hand instinctively clutched the handle of the hunting knife strapped to his belt. He glanced at Mick, who was already drifting off, oblivious to the primal tension in the air. I'll take the first watch, Brent muttered, masking the tremor in his voice. Mick nodded, in half-conscious agreement, curling up in his sleeping bag. Brent's eyes scanned the darkness, 
heart pounding in his chest like a war drum. The night wore on, and the bush seemed to come alive. Every rustle, every snap sent a surge of adrenaline coursing through his veins. He strained to pierce the darkness, searching for the source of the unsettling sounds. It was when the moon briefly emerged from behind a thick blanket of clouds that he saw it, a pair of yellow eyes gleaming in the blackness, fixated on the campfire's dying glow. His breath caught in his throat, his hand tightening around the hilt of the knife. He dared not move, dared not even blink, as the eyes glowed brighter, closer. The creature, massive and shrouded in darkness, loomed just beyond the firelight's edge. He could make out its silhouette now, a towering, hulking figure with matted fur and sinewy muscles its breath misting in the frigid air. A yowie, he realized. The legendary Australian cryptid that haunted the nightmares of Bushmen for generations. Its guttural growl reverberated through the night, sending a primal terror racing through Brent's veins. Beads of sweat dotted his forehead as he locked eyes with the creature, a sentient force of nature that defied reason and logic. The Yowie's gaze bore into his soul, its primal intelligence sending a clear message, a warning perhaps, or a promise of imminent peril. Brent's hand shook as he fumbled for his flashlight, the beam slicing through the darkness and illuminating the creature's fearsome form. The Yowie snarled, its lips peeled back to reveal rows of jagged teeth. And in that moment, Brent knew he had trespassed into a space that he was never meant to be in. The Yowie lunged, a thunderous roar tearing through the night as it barreled toward the campsite, its massive frame casting a monstrous shadow over Brent's frozen form. With a surge of raw instinct, Brent lunged to his feet, brandishing the knife as the creature's musky breath enveloped him its feral rage tangible in the fetid air. They collided, man and beast, in a primal dance of survival, each driven by an ancient instinct to conquer or be conquered. The struggle was brutal and brief. The Yowie's strength was overpowering, its primal fury unmatched. Brent's knife found purchase in the creature's hide, but its ferocity was unyielding, its savage assault unrelenting. Pain seared through his body as the Yowie's razor-sharp claws tore through his flesh, the taste of blood thick on his tongue. In a final bone-rattling growl, the Yowie flung Brent aside like a ragdoll, leaving him sprawled on the cold earth, bruised and battered. But aside from a few superficial scratches, surprisingly undamaged, the creature retreated into the blackness its form melting seamlessly into the unforgiving embrace of the bush. As the echoes of its savage cry faded into the night, Brent lay gasping for air, his mind reeling with the terrifying reality of what he had just faced. Mick stirred from his slumber, oblivious to the carnage that had unfolded mere meters from where he lay. Brent clenched his teeth, pushing back the searing pain. 
and forced a strained smile as Nick groggily rubbed his eyes. Is everything all right, mate? Nick mumbled, his voice heavy with sleep and drink. Yeah, just saw a dingo. Scared it off, don't worry. Brent lied, his words betraying the harrowing truth of the encounter. He couldn't bring himself to speak the unspeakable, to admit that the Yowie had breached the boundaries of myth and emerged all too real to lay bare the fragility of human arrogance. He picked himself up from the hard-packed earth and retrieved the first aid kit from his pack. As the embers of the campfire dwindled to darkness, he nursed his wounds and attempted to steel himself to the knowledge that the Yowie still prowled the shadows. Aside from what would most definitely be a black eye tomorrow, he felt like he was intact. Would Mick believe him even if he had the guts to explain the impossible encounter that had just taken place? The following evening, a palpable tension settled over the campsite, like a suffocating shroud. Brent's wounds throbbed with every movement making it impossible to ignore the fact that they were most definitely not safe in this place. The setting sun painted the horizon in fiery hues, casting long shadows that stretched across the scrub, obscuring the hidden dangers that awaited in the coming night. Mick, oblivious to the danger, hummed a tune as he busied himself with kindling for the fire. Brent watched him his eyes betraying a flicker of apprehension that he couldn't shake. How could he protect his friend from the unseen menace that prowled the bush, a creature that defied reason and stalked its prey with a relentless fervor? The memories of the previous night's violent confrontation resurfaced, searing Brent's mind with a cocktail of fear and defiance. He couldn't allow the Yowie to terrorize them, to dismantle their sense of safety and belonging in their beloved wilderness. With a grim determination, he resolved to face the creature on his own terms, to reclaim the dominion of the bush that had been stolen by the phantom's bloodthirsty pursuit. As the campfire crackled to life, its warm embrace offering a fleeting respite from the encroaching chill, Brent scanned the perimeter with heightened vigilance his senses attuned to the slightest hint of the Yowie's impending approach. He couldn't allow the creature to catch them off guard, to tear through their fragile sanctuary with unchecked malice. Mick, sensing the tension that suffused the air, cast furtive glances at Brent, his brow furrowed with concern. You sure you're okay, mate? You look like you've been through hell and back. Brent offered a feeble smile his gaze fixed on the shadows that encroached upon their dwindling sanctuary. Just... a rough couple of nights. I'll be alright. Mick's gaze lingered for a moment, as if probing the depths of Brent's facade before he shrugged and drained his beer. With that, he stumbled his way to the tent and it wasn't long before the unmistakable snores of someone who'd had a few too many joined the chorus of the outback around them. Brent's heart constricted with guilt, knowing not only that he was harboring a secret that threatened to shatter their camaraderie, 
but that his inability to admit the reality of their circumstances may actually be putting his best friend in more danger. The night descended, cloaking the bush in a shroud of impenetrable darkness that smothered the flickering flames. Brent sat on edge, his muscles coiled like a spring, ready to unleash their fury at the first sign of the Yowie's approach. The bush's symphony swelled to a fever pitch. The rustles and whispers that he had come to love over the years, now tangled with his anxiety to create a cacophony of primal dread that echoed through the recesses of his mind. The night was cloudless. The moon hung low and allowed for no delay in Brent's perception when the movement came into view. Just a shadow that seemed to slither through the underbrush like a phantom in the night. His hand tightened around the hunting knife, the blade glinting in the dim light as he rose to his feet. Every fiber of his being poised for the inevitable confrontation. The Yowie materialized from the darkness. Its eyes glowed with a feral hunger, its lips peeled back in a predatory snarl that bared its gnarled fangs. Brent met its gaze, a flicker of defiance igniting within him, a primal instinct to protect what remained of his shattered sanctuary. You think you can scare us, huh? Brent growled, his voice laced with a bravado that belied the terror pulsing through his veins. Well, I'm not backing down. Not tonight. Not ever. The Yowie's guttural growl reverberated through the night, a challenge that hung heavy in the frigid air. Brent lunged forward, the knife slicing through the darkness with a feral determination as he met the creature head on, each blow fueled by a raw, unyielding rage that transcended the confines of mortal fear. Their struggle was a maelstrom of violence, each combatant driven by a will to conquer or be devoured by the other's primal fury. Brent's knife sank deep into the creature's hide just under its left arm, eliciting a thunderous bellow that echoed through the bush. But the Yowie's strength was unrelenting. Its primal ferocity was unmatched. Brent's muscles screamed in protest his wounds searing with agony as the creature rained down blow after blow to his comparatively fragile frame. Despite the fact that he was obviously outmatched, he refused to yield, swinging his knife with wild abandon toward the hulking predator that seemed to have him in a vice grip. He turned the knife upward and shoved it against the monster's stomach with all his strength. It wasn't until he felt the beast's blood rushing down his arms that he realized that he had finally made a true impact. But it wasn't enough. The Yowie's strength was unrelenting, its fury overcoming the obvious damage that it had taken. After a painfully brief pause, it continued its relentless onslaught of fangs and claws. He felt his muscles give way, his body buckling beneath the creature's impossible weight. As the knife slipped from his grasp and disappeared into its thick, matted coat. With a thunderous bellow that reverberated through the bush, the Yowie cast Brent aside, leaving him sprawled on the cold earth, battered and broken. 
his spirit fractured, and his body a canvas of agony. As the creature loomed over him, its eyes ablaze with an insatiable hunger that promised a fate far worse than death, Brent steeled himself for the inevitable embrace of oblivion, a silent prayer on his lips. But just as the Yowie's massive form descended upon him, a flicker of movement emerged from the shadows, a flash of steel that cleaved through the darkness. Mick, armed with some sort of makeshift spear, lunged forward with a cry of defiance and buried the sturdy piece of bushcraft in the monster's side. The Yowie recoiled, its fury briefly subdued by the sudden shift that threatened to tip the scales in the men's favor. With a thunderous roar, it collapsed onto its side before scrambling to its feet and retreating in the darkness. The two friends sat in disbelief, a discombobulated collection of heaving lungs and bloodied flesh. Mate, that was not a fucking dingo. Welcome, campers. To Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. Debrief time. <sighs> Australia Bigfoot. <laughs> I kind of, it like, it bums me out a little bit that everyone just thinks that immediately about the Yowie. Like, yeah. they've pretty much just classified him like this is Australia's Bigfoot. I mean, you know. Yeah. But it is, you know, it does originate from the outback and it does like a, yeah. you know, a tall two, well, I guess walks on two feet thing. Yeah. So, I mean, why it not? Is. I mean, pretty it's much been described like pretty similarly. Yeah. I mean, it, I get it. I just, they're like, okay. So much like the Sasquatch here in North America, there, if you go way back to if you go way back to the aboriginal accounts of the Yowie in Australia, it is very different than than modern than the modern, you know, takes on it. Okay. Um just like the Sasquatch here, the Aboriginals talk about the Yowie as if they were another like a tribe of another tribe of people. I mean that's fair too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, adaptation I guess I'm just and adding time more can reasons. Really do a lot to people. Yeah. So, yeah, shake shit up. <laughs> um, I guess I'm just adding more reasons to consider it the Australian Bigfoot because it is actually, you know, right. it's analogous across the board. But yeah, I, I like the Yowie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a dingo, that's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not a dingo. <laughs> in your in your story where he tells where he tells buddy, oh, it's just a dingo. I'm just like, man. Yeah. You really don't care about your your buddy there, your mate. <laughs> I think he was I wanted to tap into that idea that like of people and we get this across the board with cryptid encounters and you know, really Fortean phenomena in general, where people have these experiences and they're they can't bring themselves to tell people about it because he was he was dominated by this thing and made its bitch and no i he think felt he, like his pride had been taken from him yeah that makes sense i i don't think it was that i, think it, I was, think it was he 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 literally didn't want to admit that 
that it was real. That it. I mean, that's that's that, fair, like, I guess. Yeah. But I I think it was just his pride. I mean, we talk all the time about how like how many UFO sightings go unreported. That's that's fair. You know what I mean? Because people don't want to be seen as like crackpots. But he, he's got his friend over here just sleeping away and this big ass thing out here that could literally eat them both. And he's not, he's like, yeah. you know, not setting him up to at least defend himself. He's just like, oh yeah, it's nothing, man. Go back to sleep. Yeah. And he had that moment of guilt for sure where, where he was like, am I, am I making it, you know, less safe for him by not telling him what's out here? Right. Um, I think where he really, I think where, where the character diverted from the author was if something like that happened to me, one, I would not even be sleeping that night. I would be gone. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I would I leave mean, immediately, right? Without a doubt. But that, that's where the pride kicked in, I think. Because he was like, this thing isn't going to beat me. Yeah. I'm going to stick around and fight it again. <laughs> Which is wild. That's a wild decision. <sighs> yeah. These guys are obviously like 20 years old. I mean, yeah, they, they've got to be young. But, I mean... yeah. I was I was very impressed when this guy wasn't uh you know not really affected. I mean obviously he was hurt, but in one piece, you know. Yeah. Like he wasn't just yeah. completely mauled and destroyed. Yeah, I wanted so the first that's... encounter to be more of a warning. Like okay. uh I'm trying to trying to scare him and get them to leave. Yeah. Basically. All right. That's, Unfortunately that's for him, he only the Yowie only got to scare one of them because the other one was passed out drunk. <laughs> I honestly, I felt kind of weird writing it like that. It felt like a, it almost felt like a cheap way to bring it down to a one-on-one encounter. You think so? You know what I mean? I mean, it felt that. I don't. I don't know. It it kind of felt that way. It's like definitely a literary device to. To like get rid of one of the characters for a right. scene. Oh yeah, you know, for like, sure. I, he's just drunk and passed out. I would. I don't know if I've ever been passed out so hard from drinking that I wouldn't wake up if my best friend was 10, 10 or fifteen feet away in a wrestling match with a Sasquatch. I mean, you got to. This thing's got to be like roaring and at least whooping uh-huh. or something. Yeah, I specifically <laughs> said that it roared. <laughs> so exactly, and he never I'm woke up. I, I don't think I, you know, I mean, I sleep pretty hard. I sleep pretty hard, but yeah, I don't think I would sleep that hard. <laughs> yeah. But you never know. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty wildly, wildly deep slumber he was enjoying there. Maybe the crackle of the fire was, you know, overtaking the sounds of his friend just duking it out with the Bigfoot. <laughs> just getting beaten to death. <laughs> fucking three yards away it is yeah it's pretty wild yeah okay so a little bit about the history on the yaoi the um the origins are very murky very again very similar to the sasquatch here yeah um because it's so intertwined with sort of indigenous cultures and their storytelling a lot of that was word of mouth it was passed Mm -hmm. down an oral tradition right so the the origins are are super unclear um we do know the earliest 
use of the of the term yaoi was in 1875 it was among the and forgive me for all of these pronunciations i'm just gonna say it right up front like none of them are gonna be correct i mean yeah that's how we do it on this show yeah (laughs) so in 1875 among the Camelroy people it was documented by reverend william ridley's um book Camelroy and other australian languages okay and they used yoey and they they referred to it they considered it a spirit that roams over the earth at night so it was like that it was sort of a almost like a nature like a nature spirit all right right? i mean that that yeah that checks out yeah which again very similar to the way tribes talked about the sasquatch right in north america right um some modern writers suggested that the term arose through aboriginal legends of the yahoo so there are a lot of different names the search engine yes just like that Uh, Robert Holden recounted several stories that support this from the 19th century, including this European account from 1842. Okay. Quote, the natives of Australia believe in the Yahoo, this being they describe as resembling a man of nearly the same height with long white hair hanging down from the head over the features. The arms are extraordinarily long, furnished furnished at the extremities with great talons and the feet turned backwards so that on flying on flying from man the imprint of the foot appears as if the being had traveled in the opposite direction altogether they described it as a hideous monster of an unearthly character and ape-like appearance i mean that checks out yeah so this is one of the one of the reasons i i dislike the like direct comparison between it and the Sasquatch because when you get into the like the the old old descriptions of it there are lots of wild shit like the backwards feet and the like long hair that covers its entire body like from the top like cousin it style I mean yeah you know what I mean yeah it's also been known as the Yehu the Yori Harry man, of course. Right. Um, the Yahoo, like I said, and about a million others. There are a ton, tons of names that different groups, different Aboriginal groups referred to it as that are way beyond my, you know, my bravery when it comes to pronunciations. <laughs> there, but there are a lot. There are like dozens of different names for it. Again, sort of like Bigfoot. I mean, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> right. every. You know, as like as this thing's passed down, as stories of this are passed down, you know, I'm sure it's going to, you know, it's going to develop different names of what different people or these different tribes refer to it as or whatever else. But again, just yeah. one of the same, right? Yeah, there, I mean, and just like the indigenous people here, there, are, it, it's, it wasn't just one group of people, you know what I mean? When you talk about the, the Aborigines and, in australia they're just it's broken into just as many tiny groups that have their own cultures and their own languages and right like 
So of course there are going to be different names for it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it I, makes sense for sure. It's, I mean, if we're if we consider this to be a version of the Sasquatch, I think this is only our second time ever covering a a Bigfoot, right? Yeah, I mean, well, have we even actually covered? Well, yeah, I guess we did. We did. Yeah, yeah, we did. Because we did uh, Battle for Ape yeah, Canyon. Yeah, I, I was just, I was just thinking about that. That's true. So yeah, this would be our only, I think that's only, the only the other second one. one. Yeah. Now, of course, we've talked about you know the possibilities. Our place is having its own Sasquatch or whatever. Like, uh, um, oh, I'm I'm trying to think of some of the some of the previous stories that we talked about. I mean, I know we talked about it in Diet Left Pass. We talked about it in yep. um, what was the one that Nahani was, Valley? Yeah, Nahani Valley. That was the word I was trying to think of. Um, yep. So yeah, we've talked yep. about him in passing, but not like actually like you know it's not been kind of the focal point of that particular episode yeah. or anything. Yeah, and we decided a while back that we were never going to cover Bigfoot as a one big umbrella topic. Right. Right. Like. I mean, we would, we're just we would we're have gonna to, take it case by case right we would have to dive into bigfoot like almost like mothman yeah and even more sure. and more extensive than that because there are so many different so many different cases yeah. and so many different quote-unquote types and names for it and yeah, yeah it would be difficult to do it just yeah. all in an episode so instead we're just going to give an episode to each standout case that you know that we feel warrants it and we'll we'll get to them all over time yeah for sure yeah would you like to hear some sightings sure yeah hopefully uh they're better better than brent and mix (laughs) yeah um definitely less violent so i while researching this almost every source talks about how some people describe describe the yaoi as being like like encountering pretty much any other wild animal where like you'll spot it and when it realizes it's been seen it takes off okay right but they also describe this they also talk about how some people describe it as being aggressive and violent right but when i was digging up encounter stories Mm -hmm. there was not i did not find a single violent encounter oh okay not yeah not a single one like most of these are sightings the vast majority of these are sightings so and it could yeah, just be like a lone tall scraggly man under the light of the moon yeah. you know that's just mistaken yeah. the old i mean the wild man theory is it's it's real man yeah if like think about like if you went off the grid right like way off the grid. I'm not talking like, you know, Instagram influencer who builds his own cabin. I mean, like you're way the fuck out there yeah. and you don't shave, you don't cut your hair. You probably haven't had a bath outside of a Creek in, you know, a few years. Like you could, you could definitely be, be mistooken. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I could see Especially it. if you go back to like 19th century back then. I Yeah, I could definitely see it. All right. So speaking of 19th century, that's where we're going to start with sightings. Let's do it. 
So, in an article entitled Australian Apes, appearing in 1884, amateur naturalist Henry James McCooey claimed to have seen an, a, quote, indigenous ape on the south coast of New South Wales between Batesman's Bay and Uladula. That's a place. <laughs> Hats off, Australia. Yep. Quote, a few days ago, I saw one of these strange creatures on the coast between Batesman Bay and Uladula. I should think that I should think that if it were standing perfectly upright it would be it would be nearly 5 feet high. It was tailless and covered with very long black hair which was of a dirty red or snuff color about the throat and breast. Its eyes which were small and restless were partly hidden by matted hair that covered its head. I threw a stone at the animal whereupon it immediately rushed off. Poor guy, pretty rude. <laughs> that's that's a very american thing like i always uh, yeah. think of uh what's the the one west virginia alien that the always gets lumped monster. in with cryptids yes yeah we're like their first their first reaction is to throw rocks at it it's like i mean God, it's, that's so it's also american a group of children and adults like i know so yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah that's that makes sense to me. It's I don't know. That just it always blows my mind that someone's like especially with like an alien encounter where you're like oh, civilized life has reached our planet. What should be the first impression we give? <laughs> Let's throw rocks at it. Yeah. Like holy shit. Uh Makui offered to capture an ape for the Australian Museum for 40 pounds. According to <laughs> Robert cheap. Holden, a second outbreak <laughs> Yeah, right? Well, this was in 1884. Okay, yeah. So, according to Robert Holden, a second outbreak of reported ape sightings appeared in 1912. The Yowie appeared in Donald Friend's um, Helindiana, which was a book, a collection of writings about the gold fields near Hill Hill End in New South Wales. Mm. So, Hill, Indiana. (laughs) Um, Friends refer to the Yowie as a... Friend, sorry. Friends of the hour referred to him as a good guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Donald Friend. That's his name. So Friend <laughs> refers to the Yowie as a species of bunyip, which is okay. another Australian cryptid, the bunyip. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I'm, I'm that not familiar little cutie with that or not. Oh man, the bunyip. Yeah, the bunyip is um one of the weirdest ones we're gonna have to cover this at some point but like is it basically just a little bunny? The bunyip no oh okay <laughs> not at all no not at all um the bunyip takes on like many forms ah. right so it's been described as all sorts of shit so either this thing actually does change forms or australia is just lousy with cryptids like and people are just seeing random shit it's that i don't know it's probably a bunyip yeah exactly that's pretty much what started to happen over time (laughs) we will definitely talk about the bunyip on another episode okay because yeah so some people some people obviously think that the yowie is just a bunyip like it's just another one of its forms that's fair. 
Holden also cites the appearance of the Yowie in a number of Australian tall tales in the late 19th and early 20th century. So, Australia's versions of, like, Pecos Bill and Paul Bunyan and... Right. Although their their versions of those include lots of references to the Yowie. So it's pretty baked into Australian folklore at this point. Okay. Now we get to some modern sightings. In, um, in 2010, a Canberra man said he saw a person described as, quote, a juvenile covered in hair with long arms trying to steal his car in his garage. <laughs> a friend later told him it could have been an aborigine. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on in this encounter, but apparently it was trying to steal his car. It needed, it had some place to be. Clearly. Apparently. This seems like it was definitely a human being trying I mean, to steal his car. Like. <laughs> I've never, yeah. I've never seen, I, I mean, I, you know, I guess I don't, I don't have a whole lot of experience with, uh, with cryptids. So, uh, but I was going to say, I've never seen an, at least an animal try to steal a car. That's true. That's true. We had the uh, the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp love to tear up cars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's but a I don't different. think he ever tried to steal any of them. Right. Yeah, I think that's it's a slightly different scenario. He had a real hard on for cars, though. <laughs> like he was after fucking cars. It yeah. was always cars he was fucking up. In um in 1977, the Sydney Morning Herald reported that residents on Oxley Island near Terry recently heard screaming noises that made by an animal at night and that cryptozoologist Rex Gilroy would soon arrive to search for the mythological Yowie. All right. Well, at least we've got Rex to do our job. Yeah. Rex is in there. In 1994, Tim the Yowie Man. <laughs> which is a fucking... That's a great title. I mean, yeah. Um, he claimed to have seen a Yowie in the Brindabella Ranges. So, I mean, he's Tim the Yowie man, so of course he's he saw a Yowie. I mean, yeah. Right? You can't you can't have that you can't give yourself that nickname. Exactly. By the way, you that is definitely have a, a self given like nickname. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely gave himself that nickname. Just call me the Yowzer. <laughs> exactly. And uh in ninety six, while on a driving holiday, a couple from Newcastle claimed to have seen a yowie between Braidwood and the coast. They said it was a shaggy creature walking upright, standing at a height of at least two meters. For um, we Im- empiri- empirical measurement folk. It's a little over six that's feet. about six feet tall, yeah. With disproportionately long arms and no neck. So that's interesting. Yeah. No neck. Just kind of comes right out of his shoulders. Sort of. Yeah. Or chest. <laughs> <laughs> sort of Grafton monstery. I mean, that sounds like this dude's been probably he's probably pumping. Yeah, yeah. He's just all all head, head body <laughs> traps for days. <laughs> uh, in August 2000, a Canberra bushwalker described seeing an unknown bipedal beast in the Brindabella Mountains. The bushwalker Steve Piper caught the incident on videotape. That film is known as the Piper film. Huh. Have you seen the Piper film? I've not seen the Piper film. It looks like every Bigfoot video. I'm sure it does. I've seen like, a lot of Bigfoot where videos. Where it's a sort of, yeah, it's like a, it's like a sort of out of focus 
tall thing just kind of moving through the forest. Did, did he just disappear or vanish? The video just kind of cuts off like uh, they always do. You never get the full story from the video. Yeah. Although last year I saw a Bigfoot video where the thing literally like must have stepped through a portal. Like the guy is the guy is moving. He's like panning to the right around where he sees it. And the thing steps behind a tree and fucking vanishes. Nice. Like the guy keeps circling to the right and you see where it should be and there's just nothing there anymore could have also just been like a blip or something something out there you know i guess i mean every once in a while you see those like glitch in the matrix videos of like celebrities on red carpets or whatever and someone will walk behind them and just vanish right you know what i mean like they don't come out the other side yeah yeah there are weird you know weird things like that happen like someone goes right behind and then they turn and walk away Mm mm-hmm like at the perfect angle to where you don't see them walking back. Yeah. But it's it's weird to watch it because it happens so fast, too. Yeah. Like, okay. It disappears quickly. And um, in March 2011, a witness reported to New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Service seeing a yowie in the Blue Mountains at Springwood, west of Sydney. The witness had filmed the creature and taken photographs of its footprints. So I've seen a few footprints. Yeah. And it seems to vary. So clearly here, bigger than a human's footprint, right? Yeah, and the number of toes okay. varies in these and I mean a lot of people, a lot of trackers will tell you like you can't determine how many toes an animal has by it, its footprints because you never know when like a toe just doesn't make an impression for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. There are also, you know, there's lots of stuff, and I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard people explain away, like, Bigfoot tracks. But, like, mm. when you get two tracks overlaid on each other, that's the one that always made the most sense to me. So, like, if something with a normal... If two things with normal size footprints you know what i mean if they're if they're walking opposite directions or the same direction and the tracks get like overlapped Mm -hmm. then it ends up looking like one big print right you know what i mean yeah but the the footprints for the yowie are weird because like sometimes they have three toes sometimes they have five sometimes there's like a dew claw mark behind it yeah sometimes there isn't Odds are they're just none of them are yaoi prints. I mean, probably not. Just, yeah. But they might be. That's true. They might be. And um, in May 2012, an American TV crew claimed it had recorded audio of a yaoi in a remote region on New South Wales Queensland border. As I'm sure it did. Also, I also went and listened to that. It sort of reminds me of like how like dogs howling. It's definitely, I think you're hearing multiple things. I think just like the footprints, I think you're getting like an overlap of multiple things. It is to startling. This one sound. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I mean, you do sound design all the time. Sometimes you layer sounds yeah. to get the a one, one sound that you need. Especially like you monster know what I mean? sounds and stuff like that. Yeah. Roars. Yeah. I do a lot yeah. of, a lot of layering with those. Yep. I'm sure the uh, the audience just heard some. 
in our story for this episode. And probably have. <laughs> I can't, yeah. you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but <laughs> there's a good chance. Um, in June of 2013, a Lismore resident and music videographer claimed to have seen a Yowie just north of Bexhill. Ah. And then we're, I put these in my notes in the most random order. So in the mid-1970s, the um, Queen Bean Festival Board and 2CA together offered a $200,000 reward to anyone who could capture and present a Yowie. That's slightly more than 40 pounds. Is, it is. The reward is yet to be claimed to this day. <laughs> Does it have to be alive? So, I, I would guess no. Okay. And then I have one, one more. Um, that it, this is the most recent one that I could find. All right. This was in 2021, so just a couple of years ago, in Queensland. The th- and this is um, this is from an article on allthat'sinteresting.com. The link to the article will be in the show notes cool. for sure. Um, the three men could hardly believe their eyes. There, on a darkened street in Queensland, Australia, in December 2021, they'd come face-to-face with a Yowie. Quote, we were in utter disbelief of what we were seeing, said Sterling Bennett, who spotted the elusive cryptid alongside Seamus Fitzgerald and one other man, all of whom work on a plantation. He added, it definitely was a scary moment for me. As I said, I was so confused and shook of what and shook of what we were seeing and as we got closer and closer it didn't make sense like you'd hope the three men came across the alleged yowie on december 4th as they made their way to the gemna base camp as they tell it they first noticed a slouched figure lurking under a street light fitzgerald described the beast as having an ape-like face and long arms Quote, we initially thought it was a boar or a really big animal until we got close and saw it run off in a very ape-like way. The experience left him shaken and questioning his understanding of the world. Quote, I've never really had a paranormal or strange experience like that before. I hardly slept that night and the feeling was overwhelming that I had seen something that I never believed in previously. Their sighting encouraged others to explore North Queensland in hopes of catching a glimpse of a yaoi, who apparently emerge who apparently emerge often during storms and Fitzgerald's experience has inspired him to learn more about the mythical beast. Quote, I'm very intrigued to find out what other people have seen and experienced. Nice. Yeah. And so interesting to see it like in the city. Right. And also happening during storms. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. one that reminds me of what we what we when we covered the um Kashtaka. Yeah. Right, like they sort of like flee low-lying areas when they know storms are coming or when storms are going on, just like all animals do. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe that's when they come out like, to take a bath. It could be, and then they just happen to <laughs> be they, seen. It's a perfect time to be seen. <laughs> I'm no, but makes like, a lot of sense to me. They. Because animals go for high ground right. during storms, right? Just naturally. Um, when I was growing up, my parents lived, when we lived out in, you know, the 
even tinier town beside the the small town. Yeah. It was... The other town. Yeah. It was about as high ground as it gets in this part of Indiana. (laughs) Like, there's like a slope down, like a notable slope down from the house to the road. And every time it... Every time it stormed, every time I could look out my bedroom window and see raccoons like up against my house, they would just every single time. It makes sense. So imagine in a place where the hills are actually hills. Yeah. I'm sure that happens on a much larger scale. I mean, it probably looks like, you know, the arc. True. So what do you think about this thing in general? <sighs> I don't know, man. Um,. I don't know. To me, honestly, it's tough to say. And I don't want to upset all of our, you know, Bigfoot lovers out there, but I don't really buy it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's just not as, like, a traditional Bigfoot or something like that that I actually find myself a lot more apt to believe in. It just doesn't jump out at me that, you know, I guess authentic, right? I think a lot of the sightings and things that people are seeing are either embellished tremendously or uh-huh. they're mistaking something else for it. Okay. And of course, footprints, uh, sounds and stuff like that. Yeah. All of that can be, I guarantee I could make up a sound right now that we could claim to be a Bigfoot that we caught on audio. Yeah. Easy. I mean, my dog sounds like a, right. an ape. So, I mean, Frequently. you know, that's, that's easy to do. And like, if you think you see something and then you're like, well, we have to like, we need some type of evidence because you know, whatever. Sure. What better way? Oh, we saw this. We happened to capture the audio. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like it just, it doesn't seem as believable as just like I said, a traditional, traditional Bigfoot to me. Okay. See, I'm, I think I'm of the exact opposite opinion. Really? Okay. Yeah, I I find I think just based on just based on the location. I think if anywhere if anywhere on <laughs> earth has a a 7 or 8 foot tall bipedal ape that no one has yeah. ever recorded. Yeah. It's like have you ever looked at population density maps of Australia? No, it's but fucking I know, crazy. I know it's uh yeah, there's a the, the outback is massive, and yeah. the amount of shit that's out there is frightening. So I mean, yeah, yeah and the I, amount of I shit compared to people, saying. right? <laughs> like, I think it's something. It's in the ninety percent of Australia's population lives on the coasts. Yeah, lives in the like four or five big coastal cities and around them, and basically the entire center of this fucking continent that's basically the size of the United States. And the entire center is empty of people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Like all that untouched yeah. area. Yeah, I mean, that there's a mm-hmm. lot of potential. I think like yeah, there the could area, be anything out there. The area is probably ideal for it. I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the area is ideal for not being found. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like That's, I, okay, so I generally take a skeptical approach to Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Like, I really do. I really, especially the idea of, like, a biological 
that there's like an actual flesh and blood bipedal ape just right. running around the woods that no one has ever recorded like that we haven't classified i don't i have i have a lot of trouble buying that in general yeah and people like you hear all the time and it's a great opportunity to bring it up because the yaoi is one that's cited often people that are super into this as a biological creature will say like yeah but indigenous people's all over the world have reported these same creatures right and they say that like it's supposed to make me believe it more right and it makes me believe it less yeah because like if you're telling me that there's a small breeding population of upright hominids that are living in like the depths of the pacific northwest forests Mm -hmm. i might i might be able to wrap my head around that right or in the center of the outback. You know what I mean? I might yeah. be able to buy that. But if you're telling me that there are not dozens, but hundreds of different groups of breeding populations of bipedal apes all over the world, and no one has found them in any of these locations, I I can't, I can't believe that for a second. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like that would mean that there are hundreds and hundreds of these. There are th- probably thousands of these things all over the world. And we just, they just somehow managed to elude. Agreed. Science. Yeah. You know what I mean? I understand There's, exactly what you're saying. And yeah, I mean, I, I have to, I have to agree for sure. Yeah. It's just, you know, the, like it's, it's exciting. And I think it's, a, I think, the idea of Bigfoot specifically is cool, but yeah, I think I mean, hell, I don't know. It it's a tough it's a tough conversation, and tough to kind of decide where I fully yeah. stand on it. I think if Bigfoot's real, it's obviously an alien, and I don't I don't think otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think I don't I, and I'm sure like you know of course we're going to have people listening to the show that are in the flesh and blood camp and there are going to be people listening to the show that are in the like woo woo bigfoot camp i can't you know? i can't and buy it's gonna fully s- flesh and blood yeah me neither can't do it. there has to be more there yeah i i mean i i'll go ahead and dive into the deep end of woo and say like the thing that makes the most sense to me is that it's some kind of that all these stories are in reference to some kind of some kind of nature spirit that makes the most sense to me that it's some I'll give you that as well. otherworldly yeah. representation of nature mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah there's also you know tulpas there's the whole idea of like an egregore <laughs> I mean, of course yeah the idea that like you know enough enough mental focus on on the idea of these things mm-hmm. existing actually basically gives them a place in culture. Right. So gives them a place in reality because they exist in culture. Mm-hmm. And if you have enough people yeah. out hunting or searching for one, somebody's bound to see something. Yeah. Even if it's Absolutely. like out of the corner of their eye for a split second. I mean, your mind, your mind can yeah. do crazy things. And again, with the idea, the idea of tulpas and egregores and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, it's it's easy to make this thing 
Yeah, I, I yeah. can't say it's easy to make this appear, but it's easy to make your mind think that it's there or to build Absolutely. it from, from nowhere, right? Yeah. And I think just like, I'm very much a perception is reality kind of person. So I think that if you believe you had a Bigfoot encounter, you had a Bigfoot encounter. and It's the same thing. It doesn't matter what biologically, what physically took place. I think if you right. have... If you're living with the impact of having had a Bigfoot encounter, then you had a Bigfoot encounter. That's what makes it one. You know what I mean? To me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose. Same with a haunted house or right. an alien abduction. If you're living with the the emotional aftermath of having gone through that, it's the same as if it had, you know, physically taken place. Yeah. Just that like the a, fact that we you know, can't we good, can't, you know, prove them wrong. Yeah course not and you know it's just like a a good night on mushrooms right yeah you know you're bound to see the something. impact <laughs> of those things are lasting yeah and the impact lasts you know what i mean it's it's a real thing the result of it is real yeah it's like That's true. That's true it's like i mean this might seem like a big jump but it's like how we know black holes exist right that it's how we we measure the size of a black hole by measuring its effect on the things around it, right? Because you can't actually see a black hole. Right. So you measure the effect on the heavenly bodies that surround the black hole, and that's how you figure out where the black hole is and how big it is. So, like... That's fair. It's the same the, the same concept, right? Yeah. If, if, the, if the Bigfoot encounter has an effect on the things around it, then... It's just as real as a black hole to me. <laughs> I think I'd like to think the black holes are more real. Would you? I would like to. But I mean, we only know what it does to things, right? That's also a different conversation <laughs> too. So, or is it? <laughs> or exactly? Right? Or is it exactly? That's the and thing. It's the exact same you know, conversation, right? It could be. And it could be something entirely different and actually real. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> kidding i'm kidding <laughs> oh boy that's why i like all this shit because it's all connected right it you is. know what i mean like, i agree it's yeah and like i was um i was recently talking to someone on fireside chats um and they made a point to say like the deeper they get into this stuff i think they were specifically talking about alien encounters and things like that but the deeper he was saying the deeper he gets into it the because i asked him like after years of studying this stuff do you feel like you understand it better yeah now like do you feel like you have a a grasp on what it is and he was like no not at all the Mm -hmm. like that's why he's so and he said that's why he's so fascinated with the topic is because the more he studies it the bigger it gets not the smaller it gets yes oh without you know what i mean without a doubt yeah i think we've had that same experience doing the show Mm -hmm. like it just keeps expanding it's definitely opened my mind up to up to the potential of a lot of things being all part of a bigger a bigger thing right yeah um and yeah and I, i mean and that that does continue to grow like the more and more we dive into things and learn about specific topics and debate on them or just discuss like random facts that we find out about them 
uh, it just makes it more like I don't know. It just at least in my in my mind, all this stuff becomes a bigger part of a, a whole different picture to me. Yeah, I don't really know what that is yet, but I think yeah. I think that might I, never know. I think there's a potential for it though. Like maybe it's just over the horizon, yeah. and we'll find it. I'm <laughs> hoping. I'm really hoping. We'll just so. keep. We'll just keep sailing toward that horizon. <laughs> yeah. On an endless, <laughs> endless sea of random, you know, whatever else. But maybe one day when I'm abducted, I'll be able to come back and give some different information. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I'm praying for your abduction, Ryan. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Now, if you could all pray for my abduction as well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm let's kidding. get thousands of people putting that out in the universe. All right, that might be we'll a little too much. Happens. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I say it like I'm like all pumped it's, for it, but like, oh man, if that ever came, yeah, I, I don't know it, what I, I. Yeah, it's too late. They're already doing Unless it. Unless they're like Ryan, <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. And I'm like, you too. Right, one of those nice alien yeah. abductions. We have a beer, yeah. and then they tell me all about the universe and the answer to all things they show you and they introduce you to all your hybrid children <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic actually oh yeah yeah this is number one i feel like that would be deeply traumatizing <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just me they all run up to me daddy <laughs> jesus <laughs> thousands of them thousands yes <laughs> Yeah, that's a Populating lot of love. whole worlds. Yeah, that's a lot True. of love. One can only hope. On that, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. <laughs> that's probably the best time for it. Yeah, and that concludes episode one twenty five, the Yowie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening we absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on we want to get to know each and every one of you so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on instagram and facebook at campfire t-o-t-s-a-u on twitter and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.